so what if there's like this fundamental flaw? <laughs> right? But look at all the other things I could get with this package. Hi, I'm Alex Fletcher. And I'm Rivki Silver. And this is Normal From Women. The podcast where we embrace the complexities, nuances, and joys of from womanhood. Normal for Women is supported by The Grove Kosher Market. We're sure you've heard the buzz around town about Cleveland's fantastic new store. The Grove Kosher Experience has arrived. Come in and be wowed by each department from sushi, bakery, grab-and-go, grocery, frozen food, dairy, and full meat selection with butchers on premises. It is incredible to witness. No more running around to numerous places. This is your one-stop shopping experience. And don't forget to sign up for a VIP card so you don't miss any of the latest sales. I've got one. I love them. Me too. (laughs) Welcome back to the podcast. We're excited to bring you part two of our Shidduch series, In Search of Normal from Men. Just a quick recap, because it's been a little bit. Part one, Alex and I interviewed Professor Naomi Clapper from Lander College about the healthy and not-so-healthy parts of the shidduch system. And today we're going to be talking to a shotgun in the trenches. We want to get a behind-the-scenes peek into how the shidduch process works. We're also talking with the lovely Tzipora Zalmanowitz about her experiences dating in the fur world, including the things she appreciates and the things that she finds challenging. One thing I really liked about our conversation with Zipora is that we gave her the podium to share a message she wants to give women just starting out in the shidduch process, since she's more of an experienced dater. Yes, that was really valuable. And she also shares a message she'd like to give men in shidduch dating. So there's some really great stuff coming up. Um, so let's first talk about our own shadchan horror stories. Sounds fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think we all have our horror stories, you know, the ones that you'll never forget that are sort of seared in your memory <laughs> about the shidduch process, about shidduch dating, and we're just here to lighten the mood a little bit because it can get pretty intense. Shadacham. Super intense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rifki, so you go first. So back in the day when I was in seminary in the Bay Yerushalayim, um, my friends and I, we, we learned a little bit and then we started dating and like everyone would say like, oh, try this shadchan, try that shadchan. And I went to this one shadchan um, that was just, I don't know, a random shadchan in Yerushalayim. And some of my friends were interested in boys that were learning. I knew that I needed someone who was working. Just, I just knew. Fine. So that's what I was looking for. And I went to this shadchan and I told her what I was looking for, you know, and she was like, why would you ever want someone who's working? And I was like, um... <laughs> I, I just couldn't note myself. It was so awkward. And I, I, you know, I carried out the rest of the meeting. She sent me a couple of, you know, suggestions that were completely not shy. But, um, it was such an interesting thing to me. I was like, I'm telling you what I need. Like why it was very interesting that she didn't respect my own self-knowledge and my own boundaries. I was like, that's cool that that's not your thing, but like, I'm telling you it's my thing. So I realized like she was not going to be the shaliach, I think, you know, and she wasn't, she wasn't the person to introduce you. So did she try to like influence you to change your mind? She 100% did. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was, it was weird. It was a weird experience. And I think like so many young people are very impressionable. And if you felt like calm and comfortable and confident with your decision that you needed to marry somebody who's working, like the last thing you needed is to have some self doubt. Right. I mean, I was trying to change your mind. Right. I was 26. I was like, you know, I was not like I wasn't, 18, you know, wow. I was, I was able to like stand my ground, but right. I, I imagine if I had been more impressionable, like, yeah, well, as a boss, she also, that's true. That's, that's really true. important. Wow. That's very true. Okay. So the lesson risky from that story would be 
to Shakana, let's say. Well, yeah, listen to what the person is telling you and don't superimpose your own value system on them. And if, if you see that, if you don't know boys who are that type, then say, maybe try this other Shakana. Agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Healthy is the goal. <laughs> um, okay. So I guess my horror story, if you will, I think for those of us who come from like um, unique backgrounds, yes. might have had challenges in the shidduch system. So as I mentioned here before, my father converted when I was 12 and growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, like I, we were just sort of like celebrities. My father converted when he was 54. Mm-hmm. Everyone like idolized him and our family. We were just held up to a pedestal. Everyone was inspired by us. And that's the messaging that I got about being the daughter of a convert. Which is beautiful. As it should be, right? <laughs> and then enter the world of Shadokim and things got a little more complicated. <laughs> like, why doesn't everyone love me? <laughs> I So... I guess the one story, unfortunately, the, the person was so well-meaning, as they all are. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a rabbi who, who you know, did Shadokim, and he met with me, and he told me about this guy, and it happened to me, I had already, like, had met this person, I had known about him, and okay, call me judgmental, whatever, I knew it wasn't right, I didn't want right. to go out with him, did not want to go out with him. You mean, just, like, intuitive. It was very intuitive, <laughs> yes. And, I again, like, those moments that are stirred in your memory, where I remember... Every, like where I was sitting, how he said this to me, this rabbi, and he turned around to me after I explained to him I wasn't interested in going out. And if I'm sure for a shadchan, it's not a nice thing to hear. Like you don't want someone's like dissing, you know, dismissing yeah, your, your suggestions. suggestions, right? So he turned around to me in shock and said, but Alex, he doesn't mind that your father converted. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. That was a low blow. Oh. Yeah. Like that's the only criteria. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that you don't forget. I did not yeah, forget that. Exactly. All these years later. All these years know. later. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, um, that was therapeutic. I, I will say that. <laughs> I know. I also feel better. Okay. <laughs> We've been married for how many years? Almost 20 for me. Like, I, I don't know, 14, yeah. I think. Yeah. See, these, yeah, exactly. these stories don't leave. Yeah, we don't forget. Yes. You hearing that, Shaq Hanum? I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. So, um, let's get into the heart of this episode and hear from our special guests. Yes. At the end of today's episode, we hope you've learned from these glimpses into the Shadok system, from the Shadchan to the Shadok theater. And if this has inspired you to try to set up a single you know, that would be absolutely awesome. Yep. So let's begin. We um, are bringing to you now our discussion with Marissa Gross coming from Yerushalayim. She has been a Shadchan for almost 20 years. She's originally from Glasgow, Scotland. She received her degree from Leeds University, was working in the fields of politics and communication, and then moved to Israel. And after marrying her husband and starting her family, she began working in Jewish outreach as a program manager and educator. And alongside this, her deepest inspiration and passion was to help put Jewish souls together. Yeah. She made her first match even before she got married uh, and then continued on. And Baruch Hashem Marissa has made many successful matches, coming up with ideas, coaching couples through the dating process, all the way to the chuppah. And the world of dating and relationships, she's an educator, speaker, and teacher, as well as a professional dating coach and advisor. We hope you enjoy our discussion with Marissa Gross. Okay, Marissa Gross, thank you so much for coming on today's podcast, today's episode, which is called In Search of Normal from Men. <laughs> and, I love it. <laughs> yeah, you are hailing from Harnof, and we are hailing from Rafi's Dining Room in Cleveland, Ohio. So let's jump right in. You are a shotgun. You've got 20 years of experience. We want to hear from you what you love about the Shidduch system. Okay. Um, listen, the Shidduch system has a lot of bad, bad press. 
okay, I'm here to give good press to the shock system. Woohoo! Because I know that we have a terrible reputation, unfortunately, um, for being pressurizing, judgmental, pushy, um, not allowing people to date in a relaxed manner, not encouraging direct communication, et cetera, et cetera. I have the opposite experience of the shidduch system. Um, I think that Baruch Hashem, the shadchanim that I work with, the people that I help generally have positive experiences in the system. Um I, I love the way that it helps people use the head before the heart, but also to help them combine the two. Um, it's dating with a purpose, dating with a goal. I call my website mindful matchmaking because that's really what it is. It's like being mindful about the process. It's about making decisions, exercising your own bechira on who you're dating, why you're dating him or her, and what the reason is on like you've got a lot of focus. And I think the shidduch process actually helps for decisions to be made with a focus and with a goal. And hopefully, if you have a good shadchan who is really doing this Moshem Shemaim and trying to help you, they will be kind of like a mentor. Again, you have to also have mentors. We could talk about that another time. But a combination of a shadchan and a mentor um, is definitely a very kind of, I think, productive way of dating and a focused way of dating, mindful as well. Mm, beautiful. So, like, I, I love everything that you were saying about, like, the the, he- the head and the heart and the mindfulness and just, like, making this big decision with, like, all of your faculties, so to speak. Um, but that said, you did mention about, like, the, the pressurizing thing, and I was wondering, do you see a lot of anxiety with the young people who come um, young men and women entering Shidduchim and also their parents. What do you see from like that that perspective and how do you deal with it? Right, it's a good question. I think that because there's so much hype about Shidduchim and also the Shidduch crisis and like older singles and divorces, it's definitely, you know, a system that is associated with fears and anxieties. And I definitely see many people coming come to me like, like I had someone last week that walked into my office and she was like, oh my gosh, like I've never done this before. And I just like think that I'm like a nice person. Like I feel like everyone should want to come and talk to me. Like I like people, you know what I mean? Everyone has a story. Everyone's seen the story. Everyone's seen pain and everyone's seen, you know, terrible outcomes. And again, heard of Shadchanim who have pushed people to do things they didn't want to do. So I definitely see that people are scared to start the process. And I think they're scared of Shadchanim because Shadchanim have a bad reputation, like I said, of being pushy, of not understanding them, of being judgmental. So it's definitely like anxiety related towards meeting a Shadchan, working with a Shadchan. And I really never thought of myself as scary, but I see that people are scared. I definitely think there's anxiety from parents as well. Like, oh my gosh, like my daughter's not going to get married. My son's not getting married. And everyone thinks that like, there's a reason why no one's going to want them. Like, okay. Or, you know, my son's too out of the box or my daughter's too modern or like Rebelli Chuba or, you know, my kids didn't go to the best high school. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think parents come in with their own insecurities and project them a little bit upon their children and they have their own anxiety and project it upon their children. So a lot of the stuff that I do is, you know, calming parents down, making sure parents understand the, pro- the process, holding their hands. So I think there's anxiety of the parent marrying off the child. There's anxiety of the child about the process and about the shadow and what he or she is trying to do. And I think that the community that we're in 
has created, you know, a false, you know, understanding of what Shadokhan is and what the process is. So we have created like a fear and an anxiety, like amongst Cloud Israel with like all the hype about the Shadokh crisis, et cetera, et cetera. So I understand where the anxiety is coming from. And part of the reason why I love to do podcasts like these is because I think it's like a really beautiful processing system. And I think used correctly and respectfully, it can really help people get to that goal of like beautiful Shalom bias and beautiful, beautiful Shadokh here at Sashem. So... So it sounds like what you're saying is um, the shotgun is the first step in solving this problem, having a warm, you know, um, welcoming, comfortable shotgun that can put someone at ease. That's going to help a lot of the anxiety. I think so. I think so. And I think that most shadchanim, definitely the shadchanim that I work with in Israel, and I definitely have some amazing shadchanim I work with in America also, um, I definitely think that they they meet that criteria. Um, but again, I've heard all these stories as well. I just haven't actually met them myself. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. These, these okay, so let, let's talk about, besides the anxiety piece, if you could choose one thing about the shit system that you would want to see improved, what would that be? About the actual system itself. Yeah. Um, look, the problem with the system is there is no actual system, meaning... There is no um, concrete, definable system. I think that all Shadchanim run the system in different ways. Communities run the system in different ways. You know, the more yeshivish community has its own Shadach system. The more modern Orthodox community has its own Shadach system. Some people are working online. Some people are working with Shadchanim. Um, I definitely think that we might it might be positive to have a more universalized system. Um, I have this dream about creating like an institution, like an international center of like people being trained by Shadhanim who know what they're doing, everybody having the same goals, everybody knowing knowing how to run Shadhan in a healthy way. So I do think there are, you know, discrepancies between the communities, between the Shadhanim, and I do think it needs to definitely be more universal, more connected, and people really, if, if, every, if everyone worked the same way, I think that there would actually be a system that was positive. Do you know what I mean? The problem is that that's not what's happening. I think that, you know, the system that we have in place, let me just, can I just outline what I, let, if we wanted, let, let me define what I would say the basic system is, okay? The basic system is, is that coming straight from, you know, the, you know, the Torah, Boratius, okay? It's, you know, Avram Avinu was the first parent who married off his children through Shadokim, okay? <laughs> he took Eliezer, who was the first Shadchan, okay? He, Ka'ilu, employed Eliezer to find a Shadchan for Yitzhak. And Yitzhak, okay, himself was, um, you know, found Rivka. And really, Eliezer the Shadchan looked for Midas Tavis, Chesed, you know, all the things that we should be prioritizing in Shadokim nowadays, you know, so really the system as it was created from the Torah itself was a beautiful system. And that's what it is. You know, it's a parent or a person themselves, if their parents aren't involved, choosing a shaliach to help them with the process. And hopefully that shaliach, like Eliezer, you know, halabai, lahabtil, but whatever, should also be looking for 
that perfect person for that person according to what they are, what their needs are and what they're looking for. So if that is the system, it's a beautiful system. The question is, who is the shaliach? How is the system manifesting in the communities that we're in? <laughs> I don't know if that answered the question, but... Yeah, it's um, fabulous. No, it's, it's perfect. And it leads perfectly also into our next question. You know, all, all this, we hear these stories about like the things that people get sidetracked about, the people that are, you know, not the chesed, not the meatus tovus, but like the size zero or like what kind of tablecloth or like, are these like stories, are they Baba Maisa's? Do they actually happen? Right. It's, it's a great question. Um... Definitely. Listen, it's interesting. I've been doing this for close to 20 years. I've been married for nine, almost 19. I made my first shidduch before I was married 20 years ago. I have very rarely encountered in the 20 years of shidduchim and Baruch Hashem, I've had a tremendous theat of the Shemayu shidduchim. I have very rarely encountered mothers that ask totally crazy questions I've never asked anyone ask me directly if someone uses had me the shadows table or, you know, things like that. Um, I know I've read stories about it. I've heard that people have really ridiculous qualifications in terms of marrying off their children. I definitely have people that say things which I consider to be slightly insane. Um, but <laughs> right, definitely, and definitely things that I would never ask if my child would be on Shadacham. But for the most part, it's um, the questions are are real. You know, they're questions that are really trying to figure out who this person is. Um, if the person's one of these really nitpicky type of people, they'll ask tons of questions, more pratim type of questions, detailed questions which are off-putting for certain people, like you say, you know, how does their Shabbos table look? Um, how do they, you know, what specifically do they do with a child when a child misbehaves? Like, how do they act chinuch-wise? Like, very specific questions. I take these questions, I'm trying to be done with everyone I work with, because I know that everyone's coming from a different place. That type of nitpicky type of question that people ask, I look at it as, their way of figuring out a person they might not be as intelligent as emotionally intelligent as other people so an emotionally intelligent person would be able to figure out up shidduch with clalim type of questions like general questions about the person about the family where they can figure things out through reading between the lines a person that lacks emotional intelligence or is more linear, not as, and like more kind of a logical type of person, the person that kind of is very detail-orientated, will ask more nitpicky type of questions. So I try not to judge it, because with the world that they're coming from and the experiences they have, it's the only way they can understand a question, a person by asking very specific questions. If huh. it, does, that, does that make sense? Interesting. It's yeah. a very interesting way to reframe it, meaning yeah. somehow maybe they're not being, um, you know, what's the word I'm, I'm blanking now they're, they're not they're not being malicious it's just how they make sense of the world exactly exactly um I very rarely find anyone to be malicious I definitely find people to be infuriating and sometimes I just want to shake them and be like hello just asking me about the girls me this and you're a I'm like why are you asking exactly what her cuckoo looks like in her hair and you know exactly what length her skirt is I understand and I find it a little bit infuriating sometimes but like you say I try to reframe it Alex exactly if you I try to reframe it and say okay 
this person, for whatever reason, needs this. It could be coming from anxiety. It could be just a personality type, whatever the case may be. And I validate it as much as possible. It could be someone would kind of insinuate that they want to know if someone serves disposables with the Shabbos meal, but they would say it in a way which I find to be respectable and respectful um, and it's more kind of trying to get a picture of the family you know they want to understand the type of home like is it a very simple home which I, I by the way I understand that question like also you know people want to know do we do we have a similar type of home it's not just about the plastics and the shadows table it's kind of creating a picture of the home and to, in order to do that sometimes they ask very specific questions which if you isolate them they come across as weird but if you put them in the big picture they, they sound a little bit less strange do you know what I, I'm saying? I don't know I'm struggling a little bit with this because like why do you have to have such a similar home like really like your Shabbos table class like really I mean and what about people who come from diverse families but their shit off works and they make it work why, why does it all have to be so perfectly aligned Great question. So now you're talking about my very famous acronym of MATCH, which is what I give a lot of my classes and webinars about, which is basically the factors associated with Shaduchim, who we are, what we're looking for, and whether they should be deal breakers or not deal breakers. So you're basically saying to me, you know, Marissa, like, are you sure a person needs to marry someone from such a similar background? And my answer to that question is related to, num to part C of MATCH, which is cultural and family background, which whenever I teach these concepts, I always say, as Alex is saying, that cultural and family background should not be a deal breaker, okay? It's a preference. It's not a deal breaker, meaning every person here, including you guys and myself, we want to mar marry our children into similar families to the families that we raise, the families that we come from. That is a preference. The more similar, the better, is it a deal breaker? Absolutely not. As Alex is saying, we all know very happily married people from different financial backgrounds, Sephardim so married to Ashkenazim, who are extremely happy, rich married to poor, whatever the case may be, tidy families married to messy families. We all know that this exists and we all know that this is not a deal breaker when it comes to Shalom bias, but definitely, definitely it's a strong preference. And I validate that as a preference, especially at a young age when the kids are starting Shaduchim. As people get older, these things start to go. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? But if you're starting off, it's ideal to find as similar as possible. It's ideal. But I agree with you 100%. It doesn't make a perfect marriage. And that's why it's the first thing that people will give up on when they get older and they start to have to realize that um, they have to reevaluate the, what they're looking for, which is why a lot of people go to date dating coaching, by the way. So our last question for the day is, before we recorded, Rifki and I, earlier in the episode, we're talking about our Shidduch, Shadchan horror stories. Those stories that you'll always remember. While meeting Shadchanim, they don't mean to hurt your feelings, but they may say something insensitive. So we just wanted to speak to you as a Shadchan, you know, sometimes these comments that are made, whether it's about like, our pickiness or our appearances or even our stuffic standing, you know, that may be hurtful or insulting. Like, what are your thoughts about this speaking as a shotgun where maybe you've done the same thing yourself unintentionally? What's your perspective maybe representing Shekhanim? Okay, I am going to be the pioneer representing Shekhanim. This is a big stress. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, what I would say is as follows, and I really feel strongly about this. Um, I do look at myself and I think most Shadchanim look at themselves as like a shaliyah, which means that we we are trying to you know help Hakadosh Baruch Hu do his 
his package, which is he was he's the one that makes Shaduchim, not us. You know, he is the ultimate Shavchan. We are like pawns in the picture. That's really what we are. So I kind of look at myself as like a consultant, okay? You are coming to me, like let's say someone is coming to me for help with Shaduchim, okay? You're asking me for my help. You're not asking me for advice, okay, about what I should and I shouldn't do. You're literally telling me about yourself and you're asking me to help you find what you're looking for. So personally, what I do is I'll sit a person down, I'll meet them for 20 minutes, and I will literally ask them what they're looking for and endeavor to find it. I try not to criticize. I do not tell anybody that they need to lose weight or do this or do that. Um, it could be that after I cultivate a relationship with someone and I'm trying to help them and I know that they want my advice because I've been doing this for a long time and they could see that I care about them, I will tell people things that I think are unrealistic or things that you can prove on. Sometimes I'll even do it in a first meeting if I could see the person really wants it from me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I, I, I do not feel that it is the place of a shavcham to tell a person what to do because I believe that Akadosh Baruch Hu has a person for every person. So I think that shavchanim should actually keep their mouths shut unless they are asked. I don't think they should be giving unsolicited advice. And I also don't think it's necessary because they don't know who's going to get married and they don't know who is going to be, uh, who is the share of that person. People come to me and they think that I'm going to tell them, like I'm going to judge them. So they'll say something and they'll like wait for the criticism. And I'll be like, that's okay. Like it's okay that you span between modern Orthodox and Haredi and you don't have to find Hashkafa. Like there are other people like that in the world too. You know, Hashem is gonna have someone for you that also feels that they can't define themselves hashkafically. And that's okay. And I see that they're like relieved because they think that I'm gonna start telling them that they have to put themselves in a box, which I don't, because at the end of the day, like who's to say that they have to be a certain way? Okay, yes, it might make my job a little bit harder and there might be less people for them. Them, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to find their Bashar. And I, I definitely have in-the-box single people and out-of-the-box married people, Bar Hashem. Marissa, thank you so much. We really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. You gave so many amazing tidbits and food for thought and perspectives and shifts. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to join us for the podcast. I'm sure our listeners are going to benefit greatly from Good. our conversation. And can I just tell everyone listening that if you're single and are you looking for your child, that you should just have lots of bracha and siyat and the process should be positive and good and healthy for you. And you should have only good experiences. And it was really nice. And call it about keep going. You're doing amazing things. I hope I'll meet you again soon. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And now it's time for our conversation with Zipporah Dilmanowitz, who is a practicing lawyer in the New York area. Hi, we are so excited for Zipporah Zalmanowitz to join us here on this part two of Shidduchim episode. It's such an important topic and we cannot wait to delve into it a little bit more and hear Zipporah's perspective. So Zipporah, let's get some context for who you are. Tell us about yourself, your family, high school, seminary, college, career, all that good stuff. Sure. So thank you, first of all, so much for having me. Um, so I grew up in Queens, New York. I'm currently 32 years old, never been married. So I have a lot of years in the chef system. Um, yeah, I went to Bay of Queens. I went to Manhattan High School, Dark Bina. And I currently practice as an attorney in New York. Um, I do trust in the state's litigation. Um, that's like just my job. 
I, I don't like to identify myself as a lawyer. It's just like what I happen to do. And I love what I do, um, but I'm so much more than just my job. So like when people are like, oh, you're so impressive. I'm like, I'm also not because like, I'm just like you and we're, we can all be friends. <laughs> so I, I just like plugging that little bit because I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, she's intimidating or whatever. Cause I'm really not. Wait. So lawyers are meant to be intimidating. I think that's what you're telling us. <laughs> A little bit. I mean, just watch yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I want to shift the conversation to your experience in dating And thank you, first of all, for coming on and just being so open and, you know, sharing and being vulnerable. I mean, what has been the general process for you in Shadokhan? Just walk us through that a little bit. Sure. So I think like many girls coming back from seminary, I thought I was going to start Shadokhan pretty quickly and probably marry the first guy that I met. (laughs) Um, (laughs) jokes on me. Uh, And, and what was interesting in my particular situation was that, um, when I did try meeting with Shad Hanem, I was told that I was young. Um, and a lot of people weren't willing to set me up at that time. How old were you? I was 19. Mm -hmm. Um, and all the while I had plenty of friends dating and even getting engaged before I had even gone on my first official shidduch date. So I think just right out of the gate, I started out in the sheikh system with like a resentment of sorts. Um, And I think that that really definitely painted my perspective on it going forward. Um, So I, my first date was when I was 20. And like I said, at that time, I had friends who were already married. This was before I had decided I wanted to become a lawyer. Um, I was looking for someone who was going to learn um, but also pursue some sort of education or job. It didn't really matter to me. And one chaplain had said to me that what I was looking for didn't exist. <laughs> and so that was like my second um, indication that like, maybe this is not going to work for me, but I'm going to keep trying because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so 12 years later, and um, it's, it's been an interesting series of positive and not so positive experiences, both from the matchmaking perspective, and I think also just from my personal growth and what I'm looking for in a potential partner has also shifted and doesn't necessarily fit in a box that I think is more catered toward the shidduch system working, if mm-hmm. that made any sense. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It does. No, it makes so meaning you, so you're, you're saying that what works, the should have system working is when people fit into boxes, who they are and what they're looking for. Is that, is that right? It is right. I think it might be over overly simplistic because I don't mean to say that anyone who gets married through a shidduch is like fits in a perfect little box and is not a complex and dynamic person. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, you know, when we're talking about Sheikh resumes, um, there are things that you can present on a resume that make it a lot easier for you to be set up on potential dates than other things that show up on a resume. Mm-hmm. So I think more than just the person fitting into a box, I think like your stats fitting into a certain box makes you more likely to be successful in the shift system. 
just like, you know, I've heard about um, in um, like the job market in general, like there are certain things about resumes. Like if it's a more familiar type of name, then that resume tends to be elevated to the top of the stack as opposed to an unfamiliar name, you know, so there's this bias, there's this, you know, inherent bias in any sort of system where people are forced to categorize themselves by a series of lists on a piece, like pieces of information on a piece of paper, instead of really being able to understand a person as the whole complex unit that we all are. Correct. So, you know, you have 12 years, this is like a, you know, you have basically a postdoc degree in Shadokan in the system (laughs) at this point. (laughs) um, Well said, (laughs) Rufki. What would you say, I don't know if you can pick one, is there something that stands out within the system that is the most challenging or maybe a handful of things that you consider to be the most challenging aspect of this particular system? Yeah, I think for me, the most challenging piece is no matter how old you are in the share system, being a single in the from community automatically infantilizes you. Mm -hmm. So as a 32 year old woman, you know, when I have matchmakers reach out to me and say, Hey, does this boy look interesting to you? (laughs) I, my immediate response is I'm not looking for a boy, (laughs) you know? And I know it's just vernacular, but I do think that there is an element of because you're not married, we know better than you. So no matter how accomplished you are, how thoughtful you are, how well you know yourself and what you need in a partner, we still know better than you. Mm -hmm. And that I think is very problematic for 19 year olds, just as much as it's problematic for women, you know, 30 plus. Mm -hmm. So there's not a level of respect that you feel should be accorded to to singles. I I think that that's hitting the the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, do you have a solution? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my solution is treat us like adults. Right. Um, You know, I don't think I'm any less respect worthy than my married counterparts. And certainly, you know, if you put me next to a 19 year old woman who's married and treat her more respectfully than you're going to treat me, that's very... That's mm-hmm. hard for me to, in my personal experience, it, it's a reflection of from society in general. Mm-hmm. And it sort of like paints that, it gives me a bad taste in my mouth. Of like I make the association between this is like what from people do. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be a part of that. Mm. That means that, you know, I am still from and I'm part of the community, but sure. But it, it, it turns me off. It really sure. does. And I well, think for yeah. people who aren't as strong, it doesn't surprise me seeing, you know, men and women in my age group who are becoming less connected with the from community as a result of their mm-hmm. support. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it really, when you think about it, it's prejudicial, prejudicial treatment, you know, like, and we all know, like, <laughs> I'm sure everyone listening can like think of someone who's married and deeply immature and single and much more self-aware and together it's really it doesn't have it has so much less to do with your marital status than it does with just your own personality disposition and and willingness to work on yourself and to grow and I think that sometimes when a person is single for longer than they would like then you have different kinds of opportunities to do that introspection that maybe a 19 year old getting married right out of the gate doesn't have so right yeah, so I think that it behooves us all to just think about how are we interacting with people who are at different life 
um, situations than we are? And are we putting them in a box that does them disservice? I, I definitely agree with you, Rifki. I, I also think that we need to be sensitive to vernacular. You mentioned that, Sephora. Vernacular matters. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, we know where it stems from. It stems from the 19-year-old kids who are starting to date. You know, I have a 15-year-old daughter, and she keeps on saying, like, oh, in three years, I could be dating. She is a child. She's going to grow in three years. But so if we're just listening not, to you call her a child, Alex. Like, I know, I know, <laughs> but she is, she is. <laughs> you know, and if that is the norm and we're kids marrying kids and the system is geared to kids and there is a lot of infantilizing. Am I pronouncing that right, lawyer Sephora? <laughs> I, I, I say infantilizing, but infantilizing. I, I could just be making that up also. Well, I'm a writer and my husband jokes that with me all the time that I mispronounce words all the time. <laughs> We're breaking stairs one of all around on the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> if, you know, and, and part of it is there's so much handholding in the shidduchah process and so much of mommy that's in charge, you know, and, and that, that's part of the system for better or for worse. And, but that doesn't apply to dealing with adult professional singles who should not be treated in that way and that and it's not the right match you know it's transferred wrongly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I even object to the word single like Mm. the singles Uh, a couple years ago I came up with the I didn't come up with it but I started identifying as an unattached person because Mm. single just has this like negative connotation and I think it's a result of just being part of this way of living and and the right. focus on marital status mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like an older single it's like right like what yeah. is that I'm, a, I'm yeah. an adult woman you're <laughs> you an adult and then you like feel bad about yourself like why should your whole identity be wrapped up in your marital status exactly. yes but, it's but, not empowering but family is so integral in the firm community right. and it's a right. beautiful thing However, like if you're someone with Emuna and you believe that Hashem will send you your person when the timing is right, look, it's not always easy to like latch onto that, but that's what keeps me going. And so hearing comments like you're too picky or mm-hmm. you're not doing enough for yourself or these are all the reasons why you're not married is, is very concerning to me. Mm, and it's yeah. like, are we putting the community as God or are we trusting that God knows what he's doing? Wow. Maybe I'm going to trust in God more. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that's a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, every, every, I mean, that, that you're part of the solution, whether it's changing how you're called and changing your attitude towards us. I think that's like a really inspiring way, mm-hmm. um, an empowering way to view, to view this um, stage in your life. It should be, it should be an example to others. So let, let's now talk about what you appreciate about the shit system. What do you see from your own experiences and also just observing the experiences of friends who were, are involved in Shidduchim? Thinking also about how our dating system contrasts to the secular world's dating system. Could you comment on, you know, what's good about it? Absolutely. I mean, the amount of time and effort that it takes to think of a suggestion, make the suggestion, walk couples through their dates. I mean, anyone who undertakes matchmaking is is really like taking on a lot. So I do have to say that, you know, anyone who is dedicated to that work, like call a to them, thousand percent. 
Um, I also do think that there's something really nice about having some basic information about the person before meeting them because you save a lot of time that way. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, in the secular world, people are meeting more organically and they might be in a relationship three to six months down the line and find out that they have completely different values. And it's like, well, what, why did I just have to wait or waste, you know, all that time getting to this point where many of us can know that even before going out, whether our values align or not, and then you save time and heartache. Right. So I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm all for that. (laughs) So um, yeah, those are the Mm -hmm. two things that really come to mind in terms of like the, the positives. I think those are both very important positives. As someone who dated both in the secular world and in the film world, I can say that 1000% knowing that you have your values aligned beforehand makes a big difference as opposed to like, we like the same books. Let's date. Like, you know, exactly. <laughs> that was my criteria, books and music, like really. And music, right. Well. Exactly. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> what message would you want to give someone who is just starting out in the whole process of Shadokhan? Use your voice, know who you are, know what you're looking for, make a list if you need to. Really like for me, and I still use it to this day, I have a list of like my non-negotiables, my maybe negotiables, my deal breakers. And so anytime a suggestion is brought to me, whether it's through a matchmaker or through a friend or whatever it may be, I can reference that list so that I'm not just relying on my emotions to guide me because it's so easy to get wrapped up in the desperation and the wanting to get married at all costs that unfortunately many people forget what's really important to them. Um, So yeah, I think having just a really clear picture of who you are, what you're looking for and being able to articulate that and communicate that to others is super important. It's great advice. And what, what prevents people from being so clear about it? That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Again, like the element of desperation. And I don't even like using that terminology because I don't think a 19 year old girl necessarily feels desperate to get married, but I do think that there is communal pressure. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy to overlook red flags. A, if you're not aware of what a red flag is and B, in the endeavor to just get married. So I think that even if you have your lists of wants and needs and do's and don'ts, if if a potential date has like seven out of 10, you're more likely to be like, oh, well those three that are really my top one through three don't really matter. And that's problematic, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last thing, you know, our audience, I don't know how many men are listening, but if you could tell men, young men in the dating system and Shadokhan something that you want them to know, what would that be? Ask questions to get to know your date. It's really nice for you to share about who you are and what you enjoy. Um, but it's also really exhausting to be on a date where you're just listening for three or four hours. And for me, I want to see that someone is interested in getting to know me, right? Like it's, I can talk about myself from today till tomorrow. I think I'm a great person. I have lots to say, but if I'm trying to get to know someone, it's important to have a give and take. 
And so I think it's really important for both men and women to just remember the importance of asking questions. It shows A, that you're interested and B, that you're not incredibly self-centered. And the skill of listening is so important too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Wow. Sapporo, thank you so much. This has been um, just a wonderful discussion. I, I love to hear your insight and your journey and really this class of sharing and being open with us and with our listeners. You should find your shirach um, in the very near future and whatever we can do to help facilitate that or any of our listeners have any good ideas, reach on out to us. <laughs> so you know Amazing. Thank us. you both so much. Now it's time for this episode's takeaway. We've been pretty candid at acknowledging that there are pros and cons to the shidduch system, things that are truly wonderful about how we set up religious couples and things that definitely need some improvement. If you're a single, what do you need from the community in terms of assisting the way we set up couples? If you're married, what can you do to help set up potential matches? Now it's time for five questions with a normal from woman. Today's normal from woman is Zahava Moskowitz of the Singled Out Podcast. If you could be any month in the Jewish year, which month would you be and why? If I had to be one month, I'd say Tishrei because I love Sukkot. It's a really, really special holiday, and especially coming off of the Yamim Noraim, there's just a really strong sense of community and family time and a feeling of a fresh start of a new year. And I also love decorating. So that's a really fun bonus for me. What's your favorite mitzvah and why? It's probably a little cliche sounding, but honestly, my favorite mitzvah is tefillah. Tefillah has just been something that I've always felt connected to. And I really appreciate being able to see how my tefillah has changed and also keeps evolving each year throughout different experiences. Turning to Hashem is something which has always helped me feel anchored and connected, even in times when I found it hard to dive and I didn't even necessarily want to. It's really been a source of strength for me. What do you do to recharge? Okay, to recharge, I would say two things. Um, the first is I love going on walks. I love nature and definitely get a bit of cabin fever if I don't get out at least once a day. So just being outside and walking really helps me clear my head and makes me feel more connected to my surroundings more. And the second thing is coming home after a long day, having my favorite ice cream, which is Talenti's coffee chip flavor. Definitely recommend if you haven't had it before and a good movie. What do you love about yourself? A part of my personality that I love is my openness to others and my curiosity to learn more. What do you think the from world needs more of? In regards to what I think the from world needs more of, I'm actually going to change the question a bit because I feel like as Jews, the Jewish world, I think, needs more exposure to one another. I think one of the most beautiful parts about Judaism is that there's so many different avenues to connecting to God, but often our differences really divide us and we get defensive and critical and withdraw from others. And this happens even between Orthodox communities. So it gets hard to remember that we're really all on the same team at the end of the day. And I think the best way, in my opinion, to break down those differences is just to have an openness to learning about one another 
So having opportunities for communities to do more together, to learn more about one another, maybe have some type of inter-community event, I really think could be crucial and really important in uniting us as a people. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you're loving our additional content on Facebook and Instagram, especially those pictures of our guests, which I'm sure you're so curious to see. If you're on social media and don't follow us yet, check us out at Normal From Woman. Thank you to those who have taken the time to add new reviews for our podcast. We really, really appreciate it. If you don't know how to leave a review, just go to the platform where you play Normal From Women, click on a star to rate it, and type up a short comment to review. It just takes a couple of minutes, and it truly helps expand our reach. See you next episode.